Praise God. We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad you're here worshiping with us. We welcome you this morning. Amen. And if you're watching us this morning on theantioch.com, we welcome you this morning. And if you're homesick today and we're watching, I, we welcome you and we pray the Lord's healing upon you. If you're staying home today because you're cold, shame on you. We're all cold too. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. If you've got a Bible, you could turn with me this morning to Zechariah chapter 4. Verse number 1, Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Hopefully you own one, but if you didn't bring it, that's all right. We'll provide to you the scripture on the screen for you to read along with this morning. Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 1. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, behold, a candlestick all of gold with the bowl upon the top of it and the seven lamps thereon and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side of the bowl. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not? What these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying grace, grace unto it. God bless you. Thank you for standing this morning. You may be seated. With the help of the Lord today, I want to just talk to you as the Lord would help us with this subject in our minds, a spiritual awakening, a spiritual awakening. If you would go home today, and I would prefer if you waited till you got home and not do this on your phone right now. But if you go home today and you Google on your Google machine a, uh, the term spiritual awakening, what pops up is quite uh, interesting to say the least because for most the term spiritual awakening is uh, in the context of some kind of or some form of enlightenment. It's some kind of idea that, uh, that, that as a human your, 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 your world is enlightened and and it's really uh, sort of um, uh, been the term spiritual awakening, in my opinion, has been watered down uh, in, in its meaning and watered down in its, um, its understanding. And you can go online right now and they'll tell you seven signs you're experiencing a spiritual awakening, nine signs you're spiritual, 11 signs. And so there's tons of stuff on there to tell you if you're experiencing a spiritual awakening. But... What they're terming, determining to be a spiritual awakening is not really, according to Scripture, what a spiritual awakening is truly about. Their spiritual awakening is dealing with your human side, but I haven't come today to talk to your human side or, 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 or your reason, but I've come today through the help of the Lord to hopefully move past your understanding in your mind and I'll let the Lord touch you in your spirit. 
So I want to go back, if you would allow me to, and read the same portion of Scripture that we just read. I want to read it to you in a little, a little different translation. The translation called the Amplified. Just for some of you know this, but just allow me for a second that this Scripture was originally written in Greek and Hebrew. There's some Aramaic, but, but most of the part, it was Greek and Hebrew. Greek in the uh, New Testament, Hebrew in the Old Testament. Uh, many Bibles are out there nowadays with different what's called translations and different scholars over the years all the way back to the King James Bible in the beginning of the 1600s have attempted to translate uh, the Greek and the Hebrew into English or to other language. And so we have different translations of the Bible, each offering different flavors. There are some that stick mostly to what's called the translation where they actually take the word in its original language and do their best to translate that word into English in the context that it was used in. There's also other translations out there, one being the Message Bible, the other being the New Living Bible. Uh, there's nothing wrong with them, but they're, they're what's called paraphrasing translations, meaning that the writer or the scholar of those would take the uh, uh, original language and he looks at the context of what's trying to be said, and then instead of giving a translation... He paraphrases what he feels like the writer is trying to say. So when I, when I read this morning or the first part out of the King James Bible, but we're going to read the second part out of the Amplified. And simply the Amplified takes some words in its original and expands a little more the meaning so that us in a 21st century context can understand, unless you read Hebrew or read Greek, uh, that you can understand what's exactly trying to be said. So that was a long explanation to get to where we're going. Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 1. And the Amplified says this, And the angel who was speaking with me came back and awakened me like a man who was awakened out of sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? And I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with his bowl of oil with his bowl of oil on the top and its seven lamps with the seven spouts belonging to each of the lamps which are on top of it. And the two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl, the other on the left side, supplying it continuously. Everybody say continuously. Supplying it with continuous oil. That's very important. Don't forget that point there. Supplying it continuously with oil. Verse 4. So I asked the angel... Who was speaking with me? What are these, my Lord? Then the angel was speaking to me, answered me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he said to me, This continuous, there's that phrase again, This continuous supply of oil is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, prince of Judah, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit of whom the oil is a symbol. Says the Lord of hosts, What are you, O great mountain of obstacles? Before Zerubbabel, who will rebuild the temple, you will be, become a plain insignificant. And he will bring out of the capstone of the new temple, though with loud shouts, grace, grace to it. When we read this, in the original context we read it, there are some things that don't really jump out at you. There's some things that really don't understand. But allow me just for a moment today to go a little slow so you understand the context 
of what we are saying. In the Old Testament especially, uh, before Christ came and died on the cross for our sins, in the Old Testament, they would worship, they, as, as they came out of Egypt, uh, Moses led them out of Egypt, and then while they're in the wilderness, God commanded or, or, or spoke to Moses to build what was called the tabernacle. It was a tent. It was a place for God to come and to meet with His people. Later, that tabernacle was built into what's called a temple. But originally, it started as a tabernacle. And inside that tabernacle, there were different things that you could see if you went in there, depending on what part. There were three parts of the tabernacle. There was what was called an outer court. That was when you first got in. And there was an inner court, which was beyond another barrier. And then very much in the center, the inner chamber of the tabernacle was called the holiest of holies. And within these three uh, uh, stages, in these three compartments, or these three rooms, uh, there were different elements, different furniture pieces, different things you could see that were symbol- symbolistic of, uh, of, 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 of God and what God wants to do in our lives. And, and I don't have time today to go into all of it. And there was an altar where you burned, uh, where, where things were burned. There was a place where you would wash. And there was a lot of other things there. And even in the very inner chamber, which was called the holiest of holies, there was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was, was given, uh, to Israel by God. It was a place where God would come. And, and that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But one of the things that was in this tabernacle, the temple, and maybe you've seen it now, you still, if you go to a Jewish, Jewish synagogue, you still see the symbolism there. And that was the lampstand. Seven candlesticks, seven bowls. And this lampstand was come to represent the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. And so when the angel comes down to Zerubbabel, or to Zechariah, and gives him this prophecy, he uses the lampstand as a way to explain what this is all about, what he's trying to convey. Because what he's really trying to convey to, to Zechariah, when you boil it down, is what we find in verse number 6. The, the, the punchline to the joke is in verse number 6. Not by might, not by power, but... How? By my spirit. Unfortunately, most of us, we have to figure out that the first two don't work before we're willing to try the third. Most of us don't skip to the third in our situations, in our circumstances, in what we're going through. Most of us have to figure out, well, that didn't work. Well, that didn't work. Well, that didn't work. Well, if that doesn't work, you know, there's a bumper sticker, a sign, a t-shirt, coffee mug, whatever you want to call it. There's a phrase on it that says, when all else fails, try Jesus. I agree and disagree with that statement. I agree that if everything has failed, try Jesus. But on the other hand, why wait to everything fail? Because it's going to fall. Try Jesus. I don't have to jump off a cliff to know if I do, I'll die. So instead of saying, well, when all else fails, try Jesus, let me let you in on a hint today. If it's your first time or you come every week, whatever you're trying outside of the realm of Jesus, not going to work. So instead of figuring that out, why don't you just skip to the end and try Jesus? But the angel said to Zechariah, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. 
But he gives us the understanding of how that takes place because the understanding of how that takes place comes more descriptive in the Amplified Version that says in order to get there, you've got to have a continuous supply of oil. If you don't have a continuous supply of oil, you'll never get to the place where you can understand the true power of the Spirit. I know I'm in the right church. I just may be too cold this morning. But the fact of the matter is, is that most of us have never truly experienced a continuous supply of the Spirit. Or, if we experienced it, we've allowed that supply to run dry. Because there was a priest in the Old Testament that his job, or there was a group of them, but their job was to continuously supply this lampstand with oil that it would never burn out. And their job was to continuously feed this lampstand, feed this lampstand with oil because it didn't have its own supply. It wasn't tubes attached to it. So they had to continuously make sure that this lampstand was supplied with oil so that it would continually burn. And the oil was come from the olive tree. And that's why when the angel says to Zechariah, this is not something that you have to go and do, but it's something that when you get a hold of it, and when it gets a hold of you, it won't be just something you got to fill up on every way, but it's a continuous supply that never goes out. There's one portion of scripture where the Bible talks about that they had dug cisterns instead of wells. And the difference between a cistern and a well is a cistern has no source. It depends, it's totally dependent on outside influences to keep it full. But a well has a source that it draws from. That a well can continually supply water because it has a source. But a cistern needs outside influences. That's why so many of us struggle and we live such a roller coaster life because we truly are only cisterns. Everything in our life is dependent on what happens outside. So if we're having a good day, we're happy. If we're having a bad day, we're sad. If everything's going well, boy, this is great. If our friends don't like us, man, this is difficult. Why? Because we're cisterns. Everything in our life is dependent upon somebody else putting something in my life. But the Bible says, out of your innermost being inside of you, not from somebody else, but God desires for all of us inside of us to have a well of living water springing up that supplies us continually, not just once a week on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, but on Monday when you wake up, on Tuesday when you go to sleep, on Wednesday in the middle of the day, at Thursday at work, that there's this well inside of you that's supplying you continuously. Every day, over and over again, it's supplying you with water, supplying you with, with, with life, supplying you with strength, that you're able to understand what the Bible was saying when it says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. There are things you're never going to figure out. There are things you're never going to get the answer to. There's things that you can't intellectually wrap your mind around. There are things that you can try to go and talk to people, Google it, try to figure out why, 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 and you'll never get the answer. But if you could let the Lord today get a hold of you through the Spirit of God, He can take you to places where your mind can't go. 
He can take you to places you can't go in the natural man. Because the Bible says to the natural man, the things of the Spirit are foolish. Foolish. There are some things we do today from a natural standpoint. You're sitting here, or maybe this is your first time, you're watching us. And even though I come here every week and I'm considered to be the pastor, some things we do looks foolish. Don't sit back there and act all holy. You know it's crazy. I mean, you look over to somebody and they got their hands lifted, talking out loud to someone that's not there, you can't see. We got people dancing with no partner. <laughs> we got crazy things going on. And then, then people touching other people. Speaking in some weird language. Come on, let's be honest. To a natural standpoint, this is crazy. Some of us have become, we, we've been around so long, we forgot what it felt like the first time we walked in here. And we will. What in the world have I gotten myself into? And it's like, you know, when they get on the plane and they tell you, you know, exits here, exits there, exits there. You sit down in your seat. And the first thing you thought of, okay, something goes down. I can get out that way. I can get out that way. Worst come to worst, I'm going out that way. And then big ushers in the back with the suits, they're going, I'm going to take them out. <laughs> Nobody can keep me in here. Because you thought this was crazy. You thought this was crazy. And some person comes by you bouncing around and spinning and twirling. And you're thinking, what in the world are they doing? And some person is crying and, and babbling and, and gibbering. And you're thinking, who are they talking to? Let's be honest. And then on top of that, somebody says to you, listen, God wants to forgive you of your sins. Well, that sounds like a pretty good idea. I like that idea. What do I need to do? Well, we got some water back there. And it's in this tub. We're going to take, take you back there. And we're going to give you these Gucci robes. <laughs> some Louis Vuitton Armani robes. And uh, we're going to put you in this water. Don't. Don't freak out on me, because what's going to happen is we're going to say Jesus. And then uh, we're going to put you under. And we're going to keep you there, depending on how long you sin. We're going to keep you down there alone. <laughs> so just how bad of a person were you? You might need a scuba tank. You're going to be there for a while. we got to get it all rinsed off. <laughs> some people, I figure I'd... Need to dunk them several times to make sure we get it all washed off. And think about that. You're telling me that everything that I've done, hmm, as you say, you, do you know where I came from? Do you know what oh, I feel? The love of Jesus in this place. Do you know how messed up I was? Do you know I was a liar? I was a cheater. I was an adulterer. I was a fornicator. I was, I was a thief. I did everything under the sun. I couldn't say three words without something coming out of my mouth that was profane. I was an addict. I was a, I smoked. I drank. I did, I did it all. You mean to tell me that that water can take all that away? To the natural mind, I don't understand that. But when I got in that 
water and it said I now baptize you in the name of Jesus and somebody put me in that water when I came out that water I was set free When I came out of that water, chains fell off. When I came out of that water, my broken heart was mended. When I came out of that water, I could see for the first time. When I came out of that water, my burdens were lifted. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But I know not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Come on, put your hands together. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Praise God. 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 Oh, some of you are remembering what that felt like. Some of you are remembering what that... The Bible says, don't forget the pit from whence you were dug. Don't forget what it felt like the first time you came in here and your life was a mess and you had heartache and you were broken and you couldn't get out of bed because you were so hopeless. But when you got in the sanctuary and the Spirit of God touched you for the very first time, you didn't understand it all. You had more questions than you had answers. But you knew... I found the love greater than life itself. Oh, can we just thank him one more time? Can we praise him? Come on, somebody needs to praise him. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. Hallelujah. 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 Literally. Can we just talk about it for a second? Literally. I've seen people that went in that water that were so so dependent upon drugs or alcohol that literally they were shaken because they needed something in their system. But I've watched them get in that water. And when they came out of that water, they didn't need A, A, B, B, C, C, A, B, C, X, Y, Z. They didn't need all of that because when they got in that water, just water comes out of the tap, comes right out of the tap. It's not special water. It ain't holy water, but it's Jesus' water. When they came out of that water, they weren't shaking anymore. They weren't twisting anymore because the Bible says old things passed away behold all things are made new I've seen people that went in that water that were abused, that were molested, that were raped. I know we're talking a little hard, but go with me. That had been messed up, that had been all their life. They had been that had been hurt and lived with pain and they got in that water, in the water. Just some water. It's all but water. When they got in that water, in the name of Jesus, I baptize you. They went in broken, but they came out healed. Yes. 
seen people that walked in that water depressed. I saw people that walked in that water that were having to do everything they can because their life was so depressed. They were there were such darkness. They couldn't even get out of bed. But when they got in that, they got out saying the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, I've seen people that got in that water with broken marriages, broken families. But when they came out, not by might, not by counseling, not by books, not by programs, but by my spirit, God mended marriages, families, relationships, put back together again. How? You didn't talk about it. You didn't reason it away. You didn't get some kind of special treatment. But you got the Spirit. And when you get a hold of the Spirit, He told the Zerubbabel, when this begins to take place, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit. When you get this in your mind and you understand that, your mountains, and I like how the Amplified says it, your mountains of obstacles. Whew, I like that. I don't just have a singular. I got mountains of obstacles. I don't have Kilimanjaro, this single hill raising out of the plains of Africa. I've got the Rockies. There's so many I can't even count them. I'm just hoping to make it over before winter sets in and I have to sit here all winter. He says, when you understand this, when you get a hold of the revelation that God wants to get a hold of you in such a mighty way that you have a continuous, not a one time, not a every Sunday, not a religious thing, but it's a continuous thing where His Spirit supplies you on a daily basis power and mind and strength. When you get a hold of that, you understand it's not by what I can do. It's not by how I can think it, but it's by His Spirit. He said, at that moment, here's what's going to happen. Your mountains of obstacles will become plains of the insignificant. Woo! Woo! Your mountains of obstacles. The things sitting here right now in your mind you think are impossible. When you let the Spirit of God, and I'm not just talking to the new people here. I'm talking to some of you in this room that have forgotten the power of the Spirit. When you let the Spirit of God get a hold of you, He's saying what you are sitting here today thinking is impossible. No way. Can't happen, God. I don't know how we're going to get around it. I don't know how it's going to happen. He said, when you let the Spirit get a hold of you, those mountains of obstacles become plains of the insignificant. They become plains of the insignificant. You know what? Can I just give you my interpretation of that in a little bit of a context? I'm saying this is the full context, and there's some of you that are very knowledgeable in the Word of God, and, and you know this is not the full context. I'm just going to give you a little bit of my twist on it. You know what? For a mountain to become a plain, there's not always you experience it, experience God, that everything in your life suddenly vanishes, poof, gone. I'm not trying to trick you in here today to tell you that when God gets a hold of you, Suddenly life becomes problem free. 
Sometimes it's really the opposite, but we won't go there today. It doesn't say it becomes stress-free, easy street. That you just sit back on the beach, on your lawn chair, and you just, you just relax as the waves trickle on the shore while God does all the work. You say, God, you know, this is wonderful, this is nice. Boy, this is living. That's not what that's all about. Because you know what? You look across this room, and, and, and uh, I don't know if I'll use the term privileged. Sometimes I don't know how much of a privilege it is. I don't mean that to be derogatory, but I know everything. I know a lot of what, you guys, what, what people in this room are going for, going through. There's very few people in this room that can raise their hand and say, my life is amazing. If you raise your hand, don't. Because you might get beat up before you leave. There's very few people here that can say, you know what? My life is absolutely amazing. I have no problems, no issues. Every prayer I even, I don't even have to pray it. I just think it. Boom, it happens. I mean, it's so, me and Jesus, we're, we're, we're like first cousins. We're so tight. I mean, prayer wheel, prayer wheel always turning, fire always burning. I mean, we're just... But for the most of us, we live in the real world. Most of us are have to get up in the morning, go to work, deal with problems, deal with issues. Most of us are going to have to deal with crazy neighbors, crazy family, crazy spouses. Hallelujah. So the idea that, that somehow God makes everything perfect, let's, be, let's face it, that, that's not even real. In fact, he didn't even promise that. That, 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 that lie, and I, I don't mean to be strong, but I'm going to be strong. If it offends you, I'll give you a hug after we're done. But that's a lie that's been told to Christians today that somehow God wants to make your life perfect, that God wants to make you to have or have problems. And if you're sick, it's because somehow you've done something wrong and this is kind of sort of a, you know, a spanking God's doing. And if you would get yourself right, you would have no sickness. Well, that's just crazy. We heard the 12, 12 disciples, you know, the inner circle, the 12 disciples Do you realize the death of all those disciples? These were Jesus' most tight companions. And all all but one died a horrible death. I'm not just talking about, you know, shot with a bow and arrow. I'm talking about, you know, crucified upside down. I mean, just crazy stuff. And the one guy that didn't die like that wasn't because they didn't try. They tried to boil him alive. That didn't work. So when they couldn't do that, they put them on an island with a bunch of criminals to get rid of them. So let's be honest. It's not about this perfect life. So I say all that to say sometimes the interpretation of that scripture that your mountains will become plains. Because you know what? If I'm laying here, forgive me for a second, you may not be able to see me, those of you in the back. But if I'm laying here, even the smallest hills can look big. Even small hills, from this perspective, look big. But when I begin to get up, when I begin to lift up, when I begin to stand, my, my hills haven't gone away, but the way I see them has changed. And the Bible says, rejoice not against me, O my enemies, when I fall I shall arise. Sometimes it's about getting up 
That's what matters. It's not about God coming in your life today and making your life perfect and making everything go away. But it's about the fact is you have gotten into a perspective where you see things and you don't see the truth. But when you get a hold of God and God gets a hold of you and you understand not by might, not by power, but you stand up on your feet and say, but by his spirit. Now, what looked like an insurmountable obstacle, a mountain of obstacles. Now it looks like, well, that's no big deal. Look, if I can step on over all that. Because Jesus is with me. Hebrews 11, verse number 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith. Everybody say through faith. We understand. How do we understand? Through faith. It didn't say through science, through reasoning, through human intellect. It says through faith. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. How are they framed? By the word of God. The worlds were built upon the word of God. What are you building your world around? What is framing your world? What is the foundation of your world today? What is it? Is it your, your job, your bank account, your success, your, your intellect? Is it, is it that? Or is your world being built by the word? Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the Things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. That seems a little cryptic, but later on, Paul gives us a little understanding. The great writer of the New Testament, Paul, gives us some more understanding. And you allow me just for a second. I won't be much longer if you allow me just for a second to read. Just for a few minutes. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Because Paul kind of helps bring all of what we're talking about together and gives us some understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I am determined. I am determined. It is my goal. It is my desire. It is my vision. It's what gets me up in the morning. It's what, what I think about, what, the last thought I think about when I go to bed at night. For I am determined not... To know anything among you. In fact, Paul, arguably, arguably, we'll get that word out, arguably was one of the most intelligent and, and educated writers in all the Bible. Prior to Paul's Damascus experience, the role he played was one that was required to be highly educated, highly knowledgeable, and very, 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 very uh, intelligent in his understanding of things. And so this was not a novice. And he says, I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's, very, it's funny to me how people always want to come talk to you after they've talked to everybody else. You know, Pastor, uh, I need the Lord to help me. 
Okay, great. Well, I've been here and I've talked to that person. I've been there and talked to that person. I've been there and talked to that person. But I need the Lord to help. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. Rewind the tape. Whose knowledge and who are you seeking today? Because Paul says, I'm determined. Everything I know, everything I understand, I'm determined not not to even have any of that in my mind except one thing. Jesus and Him crucified. When you boil it all down today, ladies and gentlemen, when you boil it all down, this comes down to one simple and very foundational principle. And that is simply this. Jesus. To strip away the complexity of it, to strip away the questions and the things that don't, we don't understand. When you strip it all down and you get down to the core of the matter, the very foundation of all of this, it's very, very simplistic in its nature. And that is simply that. Jesus. Jesus. If you get Jesus, you get everything. If you find Jesus, you find it all. If you, get, if you fall in love with Jesus and you get to know Jesus, you get everything at the core of all this. Paul says, my most important thing is Jesus and Him crucified. And I was with you, verse 3, and I was with you in weakness and a fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the what? Spirit. Spirit. Spirit, too much of Christianity today, I like how some, uh, one, one person phrased it, Christianity today has become truly pop psychology. Christianity today is, is just basically you're coming and sitting on the and chair, but really you're sitting on the couch, and we're going to give you some things to help you cope with life. And Paul said, listen, I haven't come to give you any kind of wisdom, to give you any understanding. I've come to give you one thing, spirit and power. Spirit and power. That your faith. Now watch this. When you understand the spirit, this is what happens. Your faith will not stand in the wisdom of men, but where? In the power of God. Once you figure out God can do it, you get a great revelation. You don't need all of that other stuff. What's scary to me is, as, the, as Paul later wrote, that which was birthed in the Spirit, can it be completed in the flesh? I ask some of you today, if you know this, then why is your life a mess? Now, if you're new here today, we understand. But some of you that come here every week, what's your excuse? You know this to be the case. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world? nor the princes of the, this world that came to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God, everybody say, but God. But God hath revealed them unto us by his 
Because the Spirit, the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of the man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us. If you have questions today, if you don't understand things in your life, if you have that question, why, why? You know what? I have bad news for you today. I don't have that answer. I can't give you the why. Sometimes I've been asked the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe you have a beautiful way of answering that question, but you know what? My simple answer to that is, I don't have an answer to that. Bottom line is this. There are some things we don't understand. There are some things we will never understand. The Bible says the peace of God surpasseth, and that's the fancy King James word meaning superior. The peace of God is superior than understanding, to understanding. That today I'm not seeking to understand the why of the matter. I'm seeking to find Him. Because if I can find peace, the why doesn't matter. Because you know what's so amazing is most of the time you get one, ans- one question answered for the bar, it only leads you to more questions. Very rarely do you get an answer and you walk away going, well, that was it, I got it all, I'm good. Most of the time, an answer breeds more questions. And so you become like the dog chasing his tail. You just simply live your life running around in a circle chasing the next answer. And most of the time... You do that long enough, you end up dizzy, you end up confused, you end up messed up. Because your life, you spin me around long enough and you tell me to go straight, I can't do it to save my life. Because I'm disoriented. When you're constantly chasing understanding, understanding, you get to the point where nothing makes sense anymore. You get confused. It actually, the more knowledge you get sometimes, it makes things more muddled. But he said, I don't understand. All that understanding stuff doesn't matter because peace is greater than understanding. And Paul said, there are some things that can't be revealed to us intellectually. I've often used this illustration. Allow me to use it one more time. If I, I have a little boy, he's three years old. And I feel like I'm biased. I know I am, but allow me to be biased. I got the microphone for a moment. For a three-year-old, I think he's brilliant. Super smart. He's smart. But if I set him down right now, and I I set him down, I said, okay, Noah, you sit here, buddy. Now, Daddy is going to give you some understanding today. We're going to talk about the principles of calculus. And I'm going to share with you the understanding of calculus. He'd probably look at me and go, where's Mommy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because you lost me there. And you know what? Even if he said to me, hey, Dad, I need to talk to you. Okay, buddy, what do you need? Dad, could you uh, share with me calculus today? Dad, could you uh, share with me uh, the principles of physics, chemistry, 
even as a father, if I want to share with him, there's no way possible I could explain to him those principles. Not because he's not smart, smart, but there's so many things that go into that one thing that he doesn't have yet in his knowledge base. And only telling him would cause more confusion. I know that's an extreme example. But that's what some of us are today. God, explain to me calculus. Explain to me calculus. And God's going, how can I give you calculus? You can't even count the three. You can't even add two plus two. Not because you're, you're not smart. But we're living in totally different worlds here. We're in totally different worlds here. So, God, I, I, I don't have the ability, which would be really cool, I don't have the ability to touch my son, grab a hold of him and say, here it comes, buddy, you ready? Here it comes, here comes the calculus, you ready? Boom, there it is. And all of a sudden he gets, oh, I got it, Dad, I understand it, thank you. I don't have the ability. But God is not limited like I am. So what God did, or the bar, is when my human understanding couldn't get into the realm of the supernatural, he said, guess what? I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to build a bridge. And it's, my bridge is going to be called this, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. So that when you can't understand things, and your mind can't wrap around it, if you would just get on that bridge and take a little trip, when you get to the other side of that bridge, you're going to have some understanding. You know, you may not have the intellectual understanding, I get that, but your understanding will come because deep down inside, Paul said, I haven't seen. I hasn't seen. Ear hasn't heard. In, in fact, he went so far to just trump everything. Brother Evans, he said, it hasn't even entered into your brain the things that God has prepared. But he has revealed them to us. How? By his spirit. Today, through the help of the Lord, somebody in this place needs to experience a true spiritual awakening. I'm not talking simply for the guest here today that may be here for the first time or maybe you're a returning guest. But I'm talking about there's some people in this room that you've come in here week after week. But little by little you can see in your life where you become less dependent upon the Spirit and more dependent upon your intellect. Where instead of seeking Jesus, you begin to seek other answers and you could watch little by little as the confusion begins to set in and the dissatisfaction and the depression and the frustration all begins to set in. But Paul said, I'm determined to know, not to know anything among you except this, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because he says, if you can get His Spirit, He'll give you righteousness, peace, and joy. Come in His Spirit. It's not a church it's not about a church. He didn't say, you know, 
I haven't seen, ear and heard, hasn't entered the heart of man, but it's revealed to you by a preacher that if you go to a church, this preacher will explain to you. It's not dependent upon me. In fact, it's not even dependent on the men on this platform, the people that, that lead us in worship. It's not dependent on the person next to you. It's dependent upon you. And Jesus said this in John chapter 7. The Gospel of John chapter 7. Jesus stood up and said these words. If any man thirst, let him come. Let him come. Our interpretation of the manner, the, the, the characteristic of Christ is he would scan the crowd and say, okay, hmm, who's thirsty here today? Who's thirsty? Let me see. Who's thirsty? Uh, uh, oh, you're thirsty. Come. I'm going to go to you and I am going to give you. Set. That's our interpretation is that we, we can just wait. God will find us. But he actually didn't phrase it like that. He said this. If any man thirst, let him come. Why? Why would God put the emphasis if he loved me enough that he came out of heaven, robed himself in flesh, Dying across, he came this way. Why would he then stop and say, If you want the rest of it, you've got to come? Simply this the Bible says, Faith without works is dead. We say it this way actions speak louder than words. This is Kevin, in case you don't know. Kevin can say all he wants I'm thirsty for you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I'm thirsty. But saying it is only one part of it. Because if Kevin stays where he is, it's hard to believe Kevin really means it. But when Jesus said, if any man thirst, if any man have faith, if any man thirst, let him come. Because in order... For God to operate, the Bible says that God, the fundamental foundation upon which everything happens in God, is built upon one word, and that word is faith. And in order for faith to work, faith has to be operated and put into action. Simply a mental understanding or a mental ascension, or even simply speaking words, isn't good enough. But there has to be something that goes along with all that. And I've used this a thousand times. Forgive me to use it again. I like it. Kevin, come here, buddy. If I walk up to Kevin and I say, hey, man, you know what? I love you. No, seriously, I love you. Is he going to believe what I say? Doesn't matter how sincere it is. Or will he believe what I do? More than likely... It doesn't matter if I've got tears rolling out of my face. I say, Kevin, I love you. The sting of my hand on his cheek is going to tell him another story. So it's hard sometimes for God to truly get to us when we say, God, I want you to move in our life today. God, I want you to move. Yo. Yo. Where are you? 
Are there times where Jesus comes and finds you where you are? Yes. But you know what? He said, if you're thirsty, come. 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 Don't just acknowledge. The first thing you have to do is you got to acknowledge, I'm thirsty. He, that's an acknowledgement. If you're thirsty. If any man thirsts, in order to know I'm thirsty, I've got to acknowledge I'm thirsty. That's, that's great. You're acknowledging today, being here, I need God in my life. Good. What's the next part? The next part is, what are you going to do about it? You acknowledge today that I need God. Maybe in your mind today, as the word of God has gone forth, maybe you sat here today and going, Lord, I need you to touch me today. Maybe you've said that even in your own heart. God, touch me today. Don't leave me the same. Touch me. Great. But what are you going to do next? Because it's one thing to think that, but then he says, if any man thirsts, let him come. 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 Come unto me and drink. Come unto me and drink. You know, the problem is, can I be honest? You know why most of us don't do that? Because we're really not truly thirsty enough. Because if you just came out of a seven-day trek across the desert with no water, and I was sitting up here with water, you wouldn't even wait for the time. You wouldn't wait for the appropriate time. You wouldn't care what other people think. You'd be willing to do anything you could to get to some, something to drink because you're that thirsty. All, all, all it needs to be done is say, there's water available. Man, we couldn't keep you away. We couldn't stop you. Why? Because there's the thirst. You know what? If I put that water up there today and say, anybody, anybody that's thirsty, come up and drink, most of you will sit there. Why? Because most of us, we're really not that thirsty. We could use it, but we're really not that thirsty. Naturally. So the question is, God is in this place so strongly, I can feel His presence in here today. And He showed up, not just simply to show up, but He showed up today because His desire today is to bring a fresh touch of His Spirit into somebody's life. A fresh touch of His Spirit. Not just for the guests, but also for those of you that have come in every week that you can say in your heart, you know what? I've let some things die. There's been some, st- there's been some stagnation in my well. I, I've, I've, I've built a cistern. I've lost that well. I need a fresh awakening in my heart. God is in this place today. Would you stand with me today? I believe today, if it's just one person, that's okay. I don't mean that as a cop-out. I mean that sincerely. Jesus went out of his way for one. If he had this whole whole day planned just for one, that's okay with me. But bottom line today, I know, I know, I know, I've been doing this long enough to know there is somebody in this place that God is desperate to get a hold of. And I'm begging that. I'm begging whoever you are, ma'am. Sir, whoever you are, I'm begging of you, don't leave here today without giving God a chance. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Or I like to say, give God a chance. That's what basically is saying. Taste and see is a fancy way of saying, give God a chance. You ever had somebody that tasted something that was good and said, listen, here, have a taste of this. Well, I don't want to. No, no, serious, try it. 
Well, I don't want to. Try it. No, seriously, if you try it, try it. I, I'm not that. No, seriously, just give it an opportunity. You take a bite of that and you're going, okay, give me the rest. Just try. You know what? I'll give you this today. Let's just look at the worst case scenario. Let's just go to the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is this. You give God an opportunity and nothing happens. And you walk out of here the same way you walked in. Nothing lost. That's the worst case. You got a no-lose situation. You can walk out of here the same. Or you could give God an opportunity. He could change your life. Either way, you're not losing anything. So my question to you today is, is there somebody today and in your heart, you're saying, God, I need a fresh awakening. There's some of you in here today, that oil, that candlestick burned bright, but now it's just started to fade away. Now you, it's not as bright as it used to be, but you're saying, God, I need a fresh fire in my life, a fresh fire in my heart, a fresh fire in my spirit. In the words of Jesus today, if anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. Is there anybody today that you're willing, not joining a church, but you're willing to get out of your seat today, walk down here, lift up your hands and say, God, I need you today to touch me in a fresh way. I need you to awaken me. Come on. There's some of you in here today. You're not a guest. You're a member. You come here every week, but you need to respond to the Holy Ghost. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, right where you are, would you just close your eyes and begin to pray and ask the Lord, let there be a fresh awakening in me. Let there be a fresh awakening in me. Oh, I know to your natural mind, it doesn't make sense. To the natural mind, it's foolishness. But the Bible says it hasn't got to our natural mind, but it's that of the Spirit. Oh, come on, would you be sensitive for a moment to someone around you? Come on, can you be sensitive to someone around you? Maybe you can pray for them right where they are. But God is in this place right now. Would you respond to Him today? Oh, Holy Ghost, I pray now in the name of Jesus that you would fall in this place in a fresh and new way. Every dry and empty place, let it be filled. Let every cistern be broken. Let wells spring up. Spring up well. Spring up well. Spring up well. Hallelujah. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Is there anybody today that you're thirsty and say, Lord, I need a fresh touch of your spirit. Oh, shatarabahaya. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, right now that you would move in our hearts today. You would move on me today, Lord. Move on me today. Move on me today. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come just as you are. Yes. Oh. Come and see. Come and see.
lose my 